You choose Columbus Business First every week to give you the inside industry intelligence for nearly every business sector in Central Ohio. And Columbus Business First chose Crate Media as its official podcast partner for its unique show, Women of Influence, now 70 episodes strong. With 4 million shows, hundreds of millions of listeners, and industry advertising revenues approaching $4 billion, podcasting is the fastest-growing audio medium in the U.S. From law to medical, construction to automotive, retail to real estate, every brand has a story. Let Crate Media help tell yours. Visit crate.media slash CBF to learn more about how we can help while receiving a free one-hour casting session with our expert producers, which will help to uncover and shape your company's branded podcast. To learn more about sponsoring Columbus Business First Women of Influence podcast, please email Advertising Director Steve Hewitt at shewitt at bizjournals.com to get started. That's S-H-E-W-I-T-T at bizjournals.com. I got an opportunity to work with Estee Lauder, and it was just an amazing, amazing experience. And the reason why it was so impactful to me is I got this just incredible um, story to tell, her story, really, the American dream. She was cooking up lotions in her kitchen, and then from there went to create this incredible company, major, huge uh, global beauty company. And so I was really humbled by that and the power of beauty and the resilience. And I thought about it and that's when I started thinking I would do something. And the purpose that I came to because of that experience was to empower women to find the beauty in strength and the strength in beauty. For nearly five years, our Women of Influence podcast has featured conversations with some of the most influential female executives in Central Ohio. This year, Columbus Business First decided to take things a step further with the launch of our inaugural Women of Influence Awards. We fielded 126 nominations, ultimately honoring 27 outstanding women in six categories, nonprofit leaders, community champions, entrepreneurs, trailblazers, mentors, and a rising star, along with Business Women of the Year, Ohio Health's Karen Morrison. I encourage you to check out our July 14th print edition for short profiles of each honoree and an extended Q&A with Karen. Need more enticement? During our July 12th awards event, I sat down for brief chats with three of our honorees. Listen on to hear what they had to say, and stay tuned for my onstage conversation with our keynote speaker, Bath & Body Works CEO, Gina Boswell. But first, during the networking part of the event, I sat down with one of our entrepreneur honorees, Mary Korn, CEO and founder of Pearl Interactive Network. She started by telling me what her company does. We're a for-profit social enterprise that gives hiring priority to disabled vets, veterans, military spouses, people with disabilities, and people living in geographically challenged areas. And we provide government call center contracts. That's our major business. So it's a for-profit social enterprise. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about what inspired you to, to start this company and, and how you got into this line of work? <laughs> yeah, I, I love the idea of marrying a social mission and a business mission because you can absolutely do both and be very successful. Help people that need help and uh, grow a business. It actually is good for business mm-hmm. Terrific. to have a social mission. Mm-hmm. 
Um, one question I'm, I'm asking honorees today is, have there been times in your career, uh, either as a, a company founder or leader or, or earlier, when you were the only woman in a, a board meeting or a business meeting of some kind and how you handled that, how you felt? Oh, uh, many times because I would go to networking events, uh, the Army, Navy, Country Club, or these all mostly male networking events. I, I always saw the mission. I always saw the vision. And so whatever fear or concerns I had, I just wouldn't let it get in my way. Because what a lot of people don't understand is that men really do respect women and they like them and they like to work with them. So I just took off the glasses of fear and just moved forward. That's great. That's terrific. Well, and on that subject of kind of some advice that you can use, I know for the publication I asked, uh, people to share advice for people earlier in their careers. But I'm wondering, if you were talking to someone right now who's who's been in their career for a little while, is looking to kind of level up, maybe start their own business or advance, what is a tip that you would share with them that's worked well for you? Um, well, be fearless. Start with your heart. You, it's kind of like having a child. It's really important to love children if you're going to have children. And it's really important that if you're going to start a business, you have to love what you do because there will be trials, there will be tribulations, great joy on the journey, but love what you do and be fearless and surround yourself by people who support you. Awesome. Well, last one. What is the thing you're most excited about in your career or at your company right now? I'm really excited that we've created a culture of caring where everyone feels like they have a home and that they have a voice and that they matter. And I love the fact that about 55 to 60% of our population are people with the greatest barriers to employment. So I, I've truly financially found a model that marries social mission and business. And they do marry beautifully. That's amazing. That's terrific. Well, thank you so much, Mary, and congratulations thank you, again. Eleanor. Great. Thank you. Next, I chatted with Carrie Jones, CEO of the Down Syndrome Association of Central Ohio and one of our nonprofit leader honorees. How long have you been the CEO of the organization? It's, it's been 10 years. So I have uh, been in the developmental disability community space for my whole career, um, but most particularly at the Down Syndrome Association for about 10. So my family first got connected back in 1985 when my brother Alex was born. And so my family has, a, has had a connection for a long time. But um, for me in particular, it's been 10 years that I've been professionally involved. And what are you most excited about uh, in your career, in your role there right now? I am thrilled about being in a position where I can elevate the voices of families themselves. A lot of times there are other stakeholders that think that they know what families want and need, and they don't necessarily invite those voices of actual people being served with developmental disabilities or their families to the table when decisions are made. So I've been really excited because in recent years, um, I'm able to really distill down the voices and different sentiments and just challenges that our families are facing and then advocate on their behalf on, you know, in these rooms and at these tables when um, historically we haven't been invited to those rooms or those tables. If you could, if there's one thing you'd want our listeners, the business community of, of Central Ohio to know about your organization, what would it be? I think that um, sometimes when you talk about advocacy, it can be, it can feel really like, 
what is that? Like, what are they actually doing? And while we do offer programs and services that are directly benefiting people with developmental disabilities and their families, um, advocacy is really, really that behind the scenes work that doesn't illuminate immediately, but um, we've seen big changes with programs that we offered. We have a Learning Aid Ohio program that, you know, really began at the seed of children during the pandemic need extra supports, particularly if they have developmental disabilities. They need extra tutoring. And that really was a program, but it was a vehicle for advocacy. And now state leaders have addressed that and allocated funds to support that effort. And so um, I think it's really important that when you're looking at a nonprofit, but in particular ours, um, that you're looking at what programs are directly being offered, but you're also looking at that investment of the administrative time and energy that's being spent to do that advocacy behind the scenes work that doesn't necessarily um, show up in quite the same way on paper. Well, and you obviously, as you mentioned, have a personal connection to this organization and this mission. Can you just talk about that a little bit more? How Did you always know that this is what you want to do professionally? How does that inform your career? Yeah, I mean, I, I always knew I wanted to be involved. Um, I used to volunteer back in high school with Special Olympics. In college, I ran the OSU chapter of Best Buddies, which is a program kind of modeled after like Big Brother, Big Sister. Um, but I didn't know that I professionally wanted to head that way until I began running the chapter of um, Best Buddies and realized that I think for a while I was concerned it would burn me out because I do have a personal life that's, um, I'm heavily, I always like to call myself the overbearing sister in Alex's life, my brother's life. And so I was worried about that burnout, but um, it's been the opposite. It's energized me in ways that I think have led to being nominated and, you know, being honored even today where that passion, because it is so personal for me, I'm able to bring that um, and further illustrate the needs and the uh, limitations and accessibility that we currently have in our community and leverage those, that personal side to, to bring more um, awareness. So it's been awesome. Well, great. Well, thank you so much and congratulations again. Thank um, you. Thanks. Finally, I heard from one of our mentor honorees, someone who's closely involved with one of the most significant economic development projects ongoing in the region, Intel's planned New Albany facility. My name is Emily Foote, and I'm currently an area manager um, for Bechtel, um, and we're building a semiconductor um, manufacturing facility um, in the Ohio area. Yeah, I heard of it. Um, well, so thank you so much, Emily, for uh, sitting down with me, and congratulations. Thank you very honor. much. Uh, one of the things that I like to ask people about on the podcast is times in your career that you've been the only or one of few women in a room. Um, has that happened to you, and how do you handle that? How, how do you feel about it? Um, so I've been in heavy construction. I've been with the company for 12 years, and I've been in heavy construction in the field for at least eight of those. And so I'm always the only woman in a room. <laughs> um, I will say when, um, when I first got into the heavy construction as a superintendent, that's when I wasn't really sure about myself, and I wasn't really sure where I would fit. I was most concerned because I'm my personality, I'm kind of soft, um, and I do sometimes wear my heart on my sleeve, and I do show my emotion from time to time, and so I thought that that's not going to work here, I'm going to have to be really tough, and you know, I'm going to have to be mean, and I, I, so I was really um, conscious of that and worried that I'd have to change myself, and I quickly found that when you kind of own who you are, 
um, when you're the only woman in the room and you allow yourself to, to show empathy and show your emotions. Um, for me, it's actually served, um, served me very well. So I've become confident at this point being the only woman in the room because I am the one that's able to share my emotions and share my empathy. And nine times out of ten, it works out in my favor. So great I did I felt like you probably would have a yes answer to the first part of that question so well and uh, for for anyone reading our print publication with our award winners we did ask about advice for someone just starting out in their career but I was curious since y'all are uh, excelling at this point what is a key tip for kind of leveling up your your midway or or getting into the executive level what uh, have you found most beneficial to kind of take that next step in advance when you're already thriving this would also apply to younger to younger people with younger women in their career, but um, at this stage, I lean so heavy into my mentors um, and the people that have done it before me, um, the people that I look up to um, at this stage. And when they give me advice, um, I work really hard to follow it. Um, and then there's there's two positive outcomes of that. And the first one is. Um, one, hopefully it leads to, to a good outcome, right? Because they're providing advice based off of what they've done and it worked for them. Two, it also um, grows a stronger bond between you and your mentor. And they trust you and they realize that you are in it for the right reasons and that you really do want it. Um, and then they become invested in you because they share a part of your success. And it's just a really, really positive environment um, when, you, when you take the advice of your mentors. So for me, that's been um, something critical at this stage in my career. Terrific. Well, and finally, uh, what is one thing that you're the most excited about in your career right now? That's a great question. Um, in my career right now, um, like I said, we're, I'm building a semiconductor manufacturing facility. And for me and for my company, um, this is a new endeavor. Um, it's something that I've personally never built before. Um, and so it's incredibly exciting. Um, every day I learn something new. I learn millions of new things on a regular basis um, just because it's, it's so new. And so it's kind of like the world's our oyster at this point. And we're, we're looking into different clients and, and different projects that we wouldn't have considered earlier. So it's very, very exciting to be at the turn of this, this new business unit within my company. So um, that's what I'm most excited about at this point. All of Central Ohio is very excited about that as well. Well, terrific, Emily. Thank you so much. I'll let you you. get back to the reception. (laughs) Thank you, Eleanor. It was so great to chat with just a few of our honorees at our awards event, and I hope these brief conversations give you a sense of why they're so impressive. The night also included remarks from another extremely impressive woman, Gina Boswell, the new CEO of Bath & Body Works. Gina took the helm at the publicly traded company in December of 2022 after a dozen years with consumer packaged goods giant Unilever and previous stints at Avon, Estee Lauder, and Ford Motor Company. She was named one of the 25 most inspirational women leaders of 2023 by Women's Wear Daily, and this year she joined Yale University's Board of Trustees. It was a delight to chat with Gina live on stage, and I hope you enjoy the conversation as well. Thank you so much, everyone in the audience, and thank you to Gina. We're very excited to have you here today. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I wanted to start with going all the way back. When you were a little girl, did you think, one day I'm going to be CEO of Bath & Body Works? What did you want to be? <laughs> Asked another way, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I, I knew I wanted to be in business, but um, I thought that I would follow in my dad's footsteps. Um, he was an accountant. And uh, so that made a lot of sense to me. So I majored in accounting. 
But I also took a lot of psychology classes um, in college because I was always fascinated with behavior, you know, whether it's individual behavior, consumer behavior, organizational behavior. And so that's sort of, you know, where I was headed. It was a very practical approach. But I have to say, my beauty retail, how would I get involved with beauty retail? Um, maybe not the CEO of Bath and Body Works, but uh, was when I got an opportunity to work with Estee Lauder. And uh, Estee herself was alive, and it was just an amazing, amazing experience, ultimately uh, working with her sons to take the company public. And the reason why it was so impactful to me and kind of shaped where I went from there is I got this just incredible um, story to tell, her story, really, the American dream. She was, for those of you who know, she was cooking up lotions in her kitchen and then from there went to create this, you know, incredible company, major, huge uh, global beauty company. And so I was really humbled by that. Um, and by telling that story to Wall Street, um, you know, and, and the power of beauty and the resilience, the relative resilience of beauty um, was just really impactful to me. And that stood out even though you know, I was going in accounting, humming along, that stood out as a watershed moment for, for me from a career perspective. And it's when I started to hone my individual purpose. And I have adult daughters and they're all like, what's your purpose, what's my purpose? Everybody has a purpose. <laughs> and I thought about it and that's when I started thinking I would do something. And the purpose that I came to because of that experience was to empower women to find the beauty in strength and the strength in beauty. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is it's inner and outer beauty, right? And, and my two adult daughters, of course, they're into beauty. We all believe, you know, the beauty makes us look good, feel good, and so forth. But it's also about the beauty and strength. And I tell them as well, I think there's nothing more beautiful than a strong woman who knows what she wants, asks for what she needs, and lifts others up. So it is that same sort of beauty and strength and strength and beauty. So that's what that experience brought me. Terrific. Even though I didn't know when I was counting yeah. back. Well, fast forwarding a little bit, as this opportunity came before you to come to Columbus, to run Bath and Body Works, what did you know about the company? What were your outside impressions, both of, of where the company was and of the, the business community here and, and what you were entering into? Yeah. Well, because I was in the industry, I was a fan first, right? I, I, um, I was in awe of, of what was going on. I mean, I just thought, wow. I knew a little bit about fragrance, obviously, being in the industry, but the fact that there could be this incredible you know, legacy where fragrance can be imbued in all these different forms, right? Sanitizers, lotions, candles, I mean, you name it. It's, it was an incredible differentiator. So I was a customer first. You know, didn't know as much uh, about Columbus per se, but I knew some things that, um, on, for example, on the restaurant, uh, you know, I, was, I knew it was the proving ground for, for restaurants. And so I thought, wow, coming here, not only do I get this incredible opportunity to work with a company that, you know, whose products I'm familiar with and customers, but I also love that. But I'll eat well here, too. And it's been true. It's been true. The restaurants have been amazing. So, um, and, you know, listen, I, I knew enough about, you know, the fact that this company um, was also sort of the, the, it's the birthplace, right? Isn't Columbus the birthplace of specialty retail? And that was not lost on me. So I was really, really humbled by this opportunity. Well, I encourage everyone to read uh, 
the most recent issue of Columbus Business First from this past Friday for a lot more about Gina's strategy for the company, what's next. Um, but if you wanted to share one highlight or perhaps preview what everyone can go home with today, what are you excited about uh, from a strategy perspective for Bath & Body Works? Yeah, so, well, first of all, even though the industry writ large is not new to me, uh, what is new to me uh, is this whole vertical integration. So the, the company, you know, by having 85% of our our products produced you know, here in the States and over half here in central Ohio and Beauty Park, if you're familiar with that. That was new to me. So the end-to-end -end sort of you know, feedback and impact that this company has. And so innovation being you know, pretty fast to market, we're able to develop categories. And the one that I think maybe you're hinting at is we've been pretty prolific, uh, thanks to the team, some of whom are in this audience right now, have been busy working on the pipeline. Um, innovation is the lifeblood of the industry, and so I was really thrilled to see we've come out with things like men's, you know, expanding more there, um, hair care, and I think the thing that you may all have or that you're going home with is laundry, which is really amazing. If you think about being a fragrance-first innovator, um, you know, um, whether you love laundry or don't love laundry, um, you know, we want to elevate the mundane, right? And I actually had worked in the laundry business, and laundry is very much about, you know, performance. But can you imagine having laundry in your favorite signature fragrances from Bath & Body Works? So I don't know whether we picked the right fragrance for you to go home with, but you will have it, and we're looking for any and all feedback. By the way, this is a preview. It's not in stores yet until next month. I'm just saying, as the child of the 90s, cucumber melon, that was our thing. No. Which we have got to be the next 25 so, I years. Know, we brought I know, it back. I know. My WhatsApp group was all about it. I really wanted to be like an Oprah with a, you get a laundry detergent, but you'll get them on the way up. Oh, sorry. I made everything too rowdy by talking about cucumber melon. <laughs> So I want to I wanna shift focus a little bit to what this event is about, is women in business. And, and I've been asking a few people this question today. Can you talk a little bit about times that you have been the only woman in a boardroom or in a business meeting and how you've handled that, what it made you feel, and, and maybe some advice that you'd offer? Yeah. Um, well, I'll say that being the only woman started for me very, very early, actually, from birth. I, I have three brothers. So, I only say that for context, because being the only woman, it depends on where you come from, right? And so, I really had to learn from the start how to get my voice heard, literally at the dinner table. So, just for context setting. Um, and, but then I was in public accounting, and, you know, initially, right? Um, and that was in the 80s, and pretty, you know, male-dominated. Um, but what, what happened was, so I was kind of the, I wasn't the only, but I was in the few, but then I went to work um, in a company that was, had actually the most powerful women. And um, I didn't recognize the gender until I w went to the opposite. You know what I mean? Because I'm birth and brothers, I'm in public accounting. And then I get into this situation where there were women that were running billions of dollars uh, of this business. We had come out of this leadership meeting. Um, where we were talking major strategic decisions, and we had a break in the meeting. And so we all went into the ladies' room, and we continued the conversation, right? We're putting on lipstick, oh, what do you think about going to China? And for a moment, I was like, wow. Like, that was very cool that that could happen. And the second after that, it was a sense of real unfairness. Like, 
this shouldn't be happening here. Because you weren't in those conversations. No, because I was in the ladies' room. And I thought, more often than not, those conversations mm -hmm. could be happening in the men's room. And so if it, we wanted inclusivity, it should start with us. So I actually felt the gender piece in an, in an ironic, sort of inverse way. However, I have been the only, not the only, but the few in boards. So we have a lot of work to do in boards. I started on my first board, public board, in 2005. I wasn't the first, but I was the second. And so I've never been the trailblazer on a public board. But then on my second board after that, I was the third. And the third woman, I think the statistics show this, you might know best, is whenever in the dynamic changes, right? So the conversation changes, it can be more around community and um, you know, suppliers, customers, employees, and so forth. And so I witnessed that, that when you have the third or more. I think in this country we're still, from a board representation, 30% women. And I think that's uh, the same in Ohio, I believe. And uh, I'm really grateful that the Bath & Body Works board is nearly 50%, so we're you know, pretty much gender parity. Um, and so how does it feel and what advice would I have is your basic question. So I wanted to tell you that that kind of came to, to the boards is really where it still feels that way. Um, I, I'm sure this has happened to a number of people. You know, if you ever had that situation where you're about to, um, you know, say something that you think is going to be very eloquent and impactful, um, and you say it, and then someone else says it, and somehow that landed... And there is a moment, but there is a moment where you start to think, wait, did that have to happen to do with gender? And so my advice would be, um, first of all, if that happens, I, I make sure I prevent that from happening. In other words, I go to my boards super prepared, trying to make sure I can ask the sharpest questions and, and intonate in a way where I can actually land that so that no one would have that experience. However... I'm still sitting in that board. If it happens to another person, maybe the second woman or the third woman, I need to be an ally in that case. So I need to come around and say, you know, maybe it was lost or invisible. I'll say, uh, well, let me go back and build on what Mary said. Or, you know, just, um, I, think it's com I think Mary had a great point when she said, because what I want to do there is make sure that, that we connect and that we network together and that everyone will know that mm -hmm. actually Mary did say that. Yeah. It may not have been noticed the first time, but it was noticed the second time. So those are some of the tips that I have there, things that I've learned along the way, and uh, they've made a big difference for me. I've heard that shine theory, some podcast listeners, if you shine, I shine. We've got to, as women, be helping our, our compatriots and, and breaking exactly. in that way. So that's great. Well, you mentioned earlier that before coming to Columbus, you knew that you'd have some good, some good eating to do here. What else have you, in the six or so months that you've done, how have you found integrating into the business community? What, what have been some priorities of yours, and what are you excited about doing? You've got an audience full of Inside central Columbus, yeah. Ohio business community leaders. From, from a Columbus point of view. Yeah. Well, first of all, I've been so, so happy. Um, we we re relocated in February, actually. So I started the role in December. We relocated in February. And um, loving my little neighborhood um, in German Village and um, wonderful restaurants. But I also um, immediately plugged in to what the, the best parts of Columbus. So I think last weekend, did anybody go to the pop picnic with the pops? So cool. It was Whitney Houston, right? Amazing. So a tribute to Whitney Houston. So, uh, or, or whether it's um, 
you know, arts festivals, things like that. Um, that is really important to me. But the other thing that I love about Columbus that is so intrinsically linked with Bath and Body Works is the, is the philanthropy piece of it, right? So I um, am practicing at the moment. I'm bike riding. I'm going to be in Pelotonia, um, captain of the Bath and Body Works. Thank you, Ro. Um, and so I, I, I'm doing that, and I'm really proud to do that because uh, sadly, you know, I've been, uh, you know, my family has been affected by cancer um, as well. And so... When I learned about Polotonia and the impact and how important it was, and I was so proud that we've donated as, as Bath and Body Works like $45 million to date for that amazing cause. So I, I'm repotting myself from you know, other parts of the country into Columbus and trying to be a part of everything that is so amazing about this community and loving it. And any other ideas are welcome afterward that I may have missed. <laughs> Well, I frequently ask uh, to my podcast guests the last question, advice they'd offer a young woman starting in her career. But I, I think an opportunity we have here is, you know, we have a lot of women who are thriving in their career. Our honorees tonight are executives, our CEOs. What advice would you give them to, to level up? You're already doing great. How do you do even better? <laughs> yeah, well, um, first of all, congratulations, because I know this is, it's, it's just the first of its kind, and it's amazing. Um, you know, I think it's, it's not entirely dissimilar than things we learn when we're younger, which is, you know, it's progress over perfection, right? I mean, I try to focus on my strengths rather than my weaknesses. And even at, you know, stages of your career when you achieve levels of, su of success, mistakes are going to happen. But the reality is, even at these levels, people only notice a fraction of the mistakes that you make. So I do think we need to continue to be, you know, risk takers. Um, certainly with the amount of change going on, when you want to level up, it's the cost of inaction sometimes is greater than the cost of action. And, um, you know, whether women or men, we, we need to do that, is to be able to lean in and go where the heat is, because that's where all the, wherever the discomfort is, is where the growth is. And I think that's true of every level. Terrific. And what is your signature Bath & Body Works scent? Oh, my gosh. You're not going to do that. <laughs> All right, it's sweater weather. Ah. Uh, sorry about the cucumber melon, but... I Honestly, I was more a Japanese cherry blossom girl, but, like, <laughs> most of my friends, it was all cucumber melon, so... Well, thank you so much, Tina. This was thank a great you. chat. Thank you. Thank you. As always, this has been Women of Influence. Please follow us wherever you get your podcasts, and we look forward to sharing more conversations with oppressive women in the years to come. 